Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. We are getting together for a discussion sooner than expected. Uh, I, I guess we probably expected Friday for an Alcaraz showdown, but Novak <laughs> Djokovic has lost in uh, round two to Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, the very talented 22-year-old uh, with uh, a lot of exciting skills, but. Of course, uh, Djokovic falling in three sets, six, one in the third set was far from his best. Joel, if we're calling a spade, a spade here, he didn't look like he was in shape really, uh, you know, by his standards in this match. And uh, he was out of gas by the end. Well, right. So there's the fitness in the end. We see that third set. I mean, he rallies strongly, impressively to win that second set tiebreak, but the 30 had have had nothing. And even throughout the match, you could see the fitness plays off and see some of the shots lacking depth, the kind of the execution, you know, you see a player like this play so well for so long, you get used to seeing him make things. It's like a basketball player making certain shots, jump sh- or a tennis player. And he's just the accuracy, the depth, the, the force, just not quite there. And he, he kind of Houdini'd his way through the second set to get into a third, but yeah, not enough. You guys were right. I was wrong. I, I've seen him working out. I mean, he's, he's, um, thin as he always is. Um, so I just figured, you know, he's, he's in typical Novak shape, but you said something about VO max Gil. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't have the VO max. Um, but I, I, interestingly, ADF, as I call him, did beat Novak in zero to four. I mean, it was really close, but, um, so it was actually, you know, even on the short points, um, he wasn't himself. And, and I didn't think that his serve, and of course, anyone's serve is going to be mitigated on, on clay. Um, and there were, he hit some, some good, he topped out at some good speeds. I think 126 MPH was his, his top out, but his average was a little down. It was around 110. Um, and he was, he did not win his usual high percentage of first serves ADF got him in that category. Um, and ADF, uh, Novak first serve in percentage was a little off. He was at 61% and he typically does around 65. So I just didn't think the serve was effective. And of course, everybody likes to play drop shots on clay including Novak, and he didn't have the touch. I mean, he was either floating them or he missed a few. So that I think is going to be a matter of rhythm. But other than that, you know, he's, he's injury free and um, I, I'm not too worried. Are you guys? No, I'm not thinking. I mean, I'm not thinking about this as like cast a shadow. I'd, I'd be a little more concerned if this happened in three straight play events, including Rome and he played three matches, but it is interesting we had the fun talk the other day about whether it's better to come back on hard, come back on clay, and so on. So, so he's been he's been hard courted, 
as he was by Vesely, by the guy who could hit big and hit him off the off the hard court. And today he was kind of clay courted. I mean, by someone who could get a lot of balls in play and run things down and and take advantage of his. I mean, this shows clay is a good service to get it back, but you need to play more in matches. And this is kind of the tennis conundrum. You, you don't get more chances now. We can't play another competitive match for at least a week. Well, on a on a quick surface, maybe if Novak's serve was firing and he could come forward, maybe he could shorten the points. On clay against someone with the speed of Davidovich Fokina, you're not going to shorten points. It's just not going to happen. And he said that after the match, and and he couldn't. But in terms of the the long term concern, I think we have to remember what happened last year. He was outlasted and out rally toleranced by Dan Evans at this event. And then he went and he won Roland Garros. It's becoming a very strong pattern that Novak isn't in great shape at this time of year. And he's missed Indian Wells in Miami now two years in a row, you know, pandemic stuff. And then this year, uh, vaccine stuff, one in the same almost. But uh, even before then, he was having difficult sunshine doubles. I feel like it's this big kind of Australian Open hurrah peak And then it's kind of post-Australia vacation. He comes back this time of year, and he just recently, this second chapter, post-2016, hasn't been good this time of year. But it's not, he's always fine by RG, is basically the common pattern. Well, right. And that's these great players who know how to, I mean, not that they know how, they do, they, they know how to navigate through this time and not feel panicked. I mean, nothing. I watched this press conference. There was no sense of any kind of panic or anything. It's like, yep, this was a day at the office. This was a better opponent. This I didn't do well. I felt hanging on the ropes the whole time. And and he's just going to kind of carry on through his clay season. And the thing is, of all the slam buildups, the one with the longest cycle is the clay season. Mm. I I not to be a contrarian, but when we say he hasn't been good during clay season, I mean, he's won clay No, I don't, I don't, I'm not he, saying he clay season. Rome. He I'm saying, Rome. Sun, no, no, but, but I'm not saying Rome. I'm saying sunshine double Monte Carlo. Oh, okay. This, okay. that, so I'm, I'm talking he's about not... March. I'm talking about March, beginning of April. Once you hit the end of April, I mean, Novak's been incredible in Rome. He's been good in Madrid. It's, it's just March, beginning of April. But hasn't he won the Sunshine Double? Yeah, but not since 2016. Since 2016, not only has he not won, we talk about all the time with our three, we're we're in kind of a crazy expectations and we say, oh, they've only won it so-and-so times. With Novak, he hasn't even been in a semifinal since 2016 of Indian Wells, Miami, or Monte Carlo. It, it's not a case of he's just lost a couple of finals or something like that. He, he legitimately has not been good at these events with the caveat that he's missed these events a couple of times. And in the last two years, hasn't played the sunshine double. Yeah. I just don't know if it's that important to him. I mean, even by his own admission now, it's really, he centers things around the grand slams. That's I, I, I just, um, I, I want to, you know, to my eye watching the match and then going over the rally stats at the end, I do think that it was zero to four. The majority of the match was played, believe it or not, in zero to four, as most matches are. And um, Davidovich Fokina 
one in that category. He got him on the short points. So it's weird to me that Novak was saying he was trying to shorten the points because if that's what he said in press, because that's not something. No, he, he, he didn't say does. that. He didn't say that. He said he couldn't shorten the points. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen, but also the, the majority was zero through the majority of rallies were more than four shots though. It was five plus the, the longest subset was zero through four, but if you combine five and eight and nine plus that was, that was more. Okay. Um, but, but also uh, if you look at the third set and I look through these two and yes, um, ADF one, zero through four, the third set nine plus rallies, nine to two for uh, Fokina. So that was where Novak's leg started to go on him, but Novak actually won that in the second set. Okay. Right. Which was a long set that was in a tie break. Yeah. 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 So that's, I mean, that was what he had. He didn't have anything in the third set, which makes sense. He hasn't been playing. So yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. This was a tough one. This was a tough opponent. And I, I thought it would be easy for him, but without the serve, you know, without the, the free points on serve and really not putting the first serves in at the percentage that he typically does and certainly not winning the percentages of first serves, then it's going to be a long day at the office. I also think that Clay, this gets to the ongoing dialogue we have about Clay and Hard. Clay is, a t- Clay is the service that's going to least reward you if you win the second set and try to then build momentum because you still have Clay. In other words, you will if your opponent is gassed. Then you will. I, I lost the first set. I won the second set. He's tired. Here I go. Like Rafa, like we've seen Rafa. But if that's not the case, because you saw Novak um, on a clay court, he wins the second set, but he's still looking at, okay, I got to play a third set on clay against a guy who's pretty fast and pretty fit. So it's not like he gets this momentum wave the way you might on a hard court. It's like, I won the second set. He's demoralized. I'm going, I'm going to shorten points now. You know, the clay, I mean, clay still does not, it, it's such a, it's such a unique surface. So incredible. The challenges it poses for a competitor. What about the wind? It was very windy. Uh, we recently talked about Nadal in the wind at Indian Wells. Alcaraz won that incredible second set. Uh, but it, it's been a theme where, you know, we talk about Nadal as, being someone who maybe doesn't play better in the wind, but plays less worse than his opponent. Whereas uh, Novak has, has had issues in the wind. Why do we think that is? And maybe how did that play out in this match? I'm stunned. Yeah. Go on, Amy. Uh, did he seem bothered by the wind? In the first I mean, set, I thought he looked okay. pretty bothered. Okay. I mean, it, that's, it's um, the way it is at that, club the club is literally on a cliffside right by the ocean it's it's springtime it's going to be windy so i i it's interesting that he would be bothered by it but maybe he was just generally uncomfortable and so things like that would would exacerbate his discomfort but um yeah i mean he's a guy who who likes the conditions to be pretty you know not a factor in the match and, and um, fairly even and equalized. But, you know, sometimes when he's just letting off steam like that, it's just, um, it's his way of working through things. I mean, we've also seen him excel in all different types of conditions. 
when you asked the question, Gail, I was going to think, yeah, that's my question. I want to ask you guys why he thought he wasn't as good in the wind. And then, well, um, well, Amy was, I, I like those thoughts. It's about, about Novak and today. Uh, stylistically, if I was showing, if I was going to show someone how to play in the wind, you think Novak footwork, margin, depth. But then, then I thought of something else for Novak in particular, <clears throat> which is he's uh, like a lot of contemporary pros. He likes to have things all orderly and control. I mean, we've read and learned so much about his diet, about his what he eats and what he drinks and when he stretches. And the wind is this other element that things are a little out of control. But I still think that's that's obviously so attitudinal for him. I I just wrote an article about playing in the wind. I would just think, Novak, you you got all the right things that make for being a great wind player. I don't know why. Do, why do you think Gil he doesn't like wind? I. I think it has to do with his stroke production. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, and I, I can't, you know, explain this as well as I'm sure a lot of uh, many coaches who have a better kind of technical eye than me can. But I feel like in his preparation and the way he likes to stay on balance and the way he likes to position his feet, I think when the ball moves on him late, it uh, he has trouble fighting it off sometimes. And 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 I think Novak has exceptional footwork. But maybe when the ball moves on him, his feet don't cope with it as well as as some other players' feet might uh, cope with it. I think it's a nice little homework assignment that I'm going to take on and talk to some coaches because when I think of, I'll tell you someone who's great in the wind, who reminds me somewhat of, of Novak, but not nearly as forceful as Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt loved playing in the wind and he thrived mm-hmm. in it. And yet, and so he had strokes that would, you know, not exactly like Novak, but somewhat in that vein of a fairly compact and the two-hander and the, but, but it's interesting. And so that could be it too. I think that's an interesting um, thing to understand because again, I think he has precisely the things you want for win, the balance and the footwork and the discipline. I mean, he's not, Nadal in a different way, Nadal with the top spin and Nadal's kind of warrior mentality. I like what you said, Gil, he plays less bad because he's, he's, he's Nadal. He's something, right? When you look at that, Joel, look and see um, if if his winning percentages in windy conditions are really all that bad. Because just like Rafa complaining about the different brands of ball, and then we went back and looked at it and realized that he wins even with the balls that he's complaining about. um, It could be that Novak does really well in the wind, but that doesn't mean he likes it. Well, that's a great point. I'm sure, I'm sure... Yeah, that would be a tough one to find 
to, to dig through windy matches and see how he's fared in them. And I bet, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure like exactly like with the ball, but the question is why, what his attitude about it is. Yeah. And, and he's had a few, like, remember that semi in Roland Garros a couple of years ago with the team where that was like, Gail, that was windier than yeah. the Indian Wells Alcarez Nadal match. It yeah. was? I'm, that was windier? I'm, the Roland Garros one I think was windier. The one with Federer and Nadal at Roland Garros. I do remember how windy that one was. Do you remember that one, Joel? Was that yeah. as windy as the Alcaraz Nadal that was windier, one? windier, I think. See, and also, also the Indian Wells one, it got windy enough that the, the sand was coming from outside the ground. But when it's super windy on clay, the court itself is yeah. the sandstorm. And so you yeah. got the, the surfaces betraying you and your eyes. And, and I think, um, I don't know if it's still the case. Novak at one point was wearing contacts. So that's a factor. Mm. I don't know if you, I used to wear mm. contacts and contacts in the wind. That's, that's a problem too. So maybe we're slowly decoding this. Maybe, you know, that dynamic where uh, Novak has the best balance I've ever seen, but when he's off balanced, he's way off balanced. Right. It, yeah. it, it's kind of like that for me. I feel like when, you know, when things are thrown off and the wind, the wind throws everyone off, it doesn't matter. It's just how do you almost fend off that kind of bad contact point, maybe poor timing, these things where generally Novak would, would never have to deal with, but because of the wind he does. And the result I think is, is not as good as as some other players maybe who can have a poor contact point and and still manage to kind of hit a decent shot uh, regardless of that so uh, again i mean that's just kind of that's my eye i i try to stay away from the technical stuff to that um on that granular level uh but i do think the forehand in the first set here was an absolute mess and i thought it looked like the wind was a big part of that one other part of this win thing, Nadal and Djokovic, both very ordered off the court, as a lot of professionals are. And Nadal, it's almost like people almost talk about the water bottles and all the kind of rough rituals. And Novak has his whole disciplines off the court. In the point, Novak is also remains his discipline because of the way he plays. Nadal, once the point gets underway, it's like, it's all, all sorts of things are happening when Nadal plays points. And I think that's part of his what makes him engaging to people who don't even know tennis. It's like, wow, what is going on here? All this running and movement, but Novak's so controlled during the points. And then the wind forces you to be a little more, you got to go a little more jazz improv, like you said about this balance and contact points. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I hope though, for the quality of the tennis, it's not too windy in this clay court season. Well, it, it, it definitely won't. Madrid's basically an indoor court, right? right. I mean that, that it's outdoors, but it doesn't play like it's outdoors. I don't think Rome's very windy generally. No, but things no. It happen. It could happen, but yeah. Uh, what? Let's uh, let's talk quickly about Davidovich Fokina as a player. I mean, we've mentioned him, but we haven't really addressed him uh, directly. Joel, what are your thoughts on on the Spaniard? Twenty two years old. Lots going on there. Yeah, he's kind of interesting. I mean, it's kind of he's kind of here and he's kind of there and he moves well and he hits some shots. Well, but he's like a classic, like one of these Tuesday, Wednesday guys I've seen in early rounds of tournaments. He's good, but I don't know. He's kind of cut from his own mold because of some of the shots. He's not exactly like in the Carina Busta or, um, or RBA. He, I don't know. He's 
kind of improvisational. His body type kind of reminds me of Alcaraz a little bit. Um, he, you know, he's got the the musculature and and all that. Um, I just thought that he handled um, the absorption and the redirection and that those uh, factors from the baseline better than Novak did. But I also thought that he handled the transition game a lot better. Um, getting from the back court to the front court. And then, you know, once he got up there, uh, not floating things or not just, you know, placing the ball, actually going up there with a plan. So he played a brilliant match. And um, for fans, it's just going to be unfortunate that we'll have to wait a while to get that Alcaraz Djokovic matchup. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, ADF reminds me of Monfils a lot. I don't think he really knows what shot he should play ever. I think he just plays whatever feels right. His shot selection is wildly unpredictable, but the reason it works or can work to a certain extent is because he's really talented. He's an exceptional athlete. His speed was unbelievable. Uh, he's got a lot of power when he, uh, when he decides to use it. But uh, I don't know that he, and, and he kept it together in this match, which he can definitely really mentally go insane uh, sometimes. But yeah, it's, it's really just going to be about, I think he'll, he could be a great player if he figures out this is how I like to construct points. And this is when I should play safe cross court. And this is when I should attack. Uh, but I think for the most part, when it comes to this match specifically, his speed is pretty special. And yeah. with, with Novak, not at his best, I thought that was the number one thing that was bothering Djokovic was how well he was covering the court. It reminds me of Ange Jabour, um, who is also a tremendous athlete. I don't know if she's that fast, but she never seems to have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's yeah. a plan, I cannot figure it out. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, I think I like, I think she has plenty of plans. That's her deal. She has plenty of plans. And I think she, I, I get her, I get her deal. I think her deal is, is somewhat more, I don't, I wouldn't say linear, but somewhat more orchestrated. She's just got a, a broad band of plays. Um, Falkina, I like them on feasts comparison. And I also think so that, so now you're Novak. Haven't played in a while, a little windy, clay court. And now you're playing someone who's irrational in their shot selection. <laughs> and so that reminds me of some people I played, I, there's someone I used to play and he would try these shots and he'd make, I said, you're either a genius or an idiot. So it's almost <laughs> disturbing to play someone who's like, why aren't you following the rules of shot selection? It's mm -hmm. like, he's, like you can see almost Novak thinking, where's Thomas Burdick and David Goffin when I need them? You know, these are the guys I want to play win or lose, I know I'm going to gain sort of a, an accurate measure. I mean, but this is, this is driving through a whole other uh, neighborhood and what's going on here. And what, what do you mean? No U-turns here? I mean, it's just strange. We've all played players like that where it's like, would you keep the ball cross court when you're supposed to? <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah, right. it, it can be frustrating. It can be very, um, it can shake you out of your rhythm. And maybe that was not the ideal opponent for Novak to draw at first out of the gate. No, he wants like a Nishikori or even, or even an RBA who's a rough customer, but at least a, a linear kind of customer. Right, something I know what this is going to be. 
this is going to be out execution. This is going to be out somebody kind of hauling off these shots that you're not supposed to hit and making them. Yeah. I, it, Joel, you were spot on to, to lead with he's no RBA and PCB. ADF is from the country of shot selection. I mean, it is the national shot selection capital of the world. And, <laughs> and he has, he has rebelled, rebelled completely. You mean the country of like disciplined, disciplined, smart shots. Like, I mean, yeah. Nobody yeah, I, right. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I love that. Yeah. That's right. uh, okay. Belgrade. I do feel like there's a bit more riding on this than usual because while, you know, while I don't think, I think there's plenty of time for Novak to get in shape and get ready for Roland Garros. And, you know, it's not at all the end of the world that he uh, lost early here uh, at a certain point, first of all, he's going to need some matches uh, and he's also going to need some confidence, which he didn't get from the hardcore season, which he usually already has from that. Is that fair? Totally fair. He's lacking a lot of, a lot of matches. He's what is he, how many matches he played now this year? Okay. Four, four, four. So that's about 25 less than usual. And instead of coming to Belgrade as the, uh, you know, what the native son who's great and maybe got to the quarters or semis or whatever in Monte Carlo, now he's a little undermatched, and I think he'd like to play. He'd like to get at least three matches in there, don't you think? Yeah, especially it being his home, you know, crowd and all that. Um, I'm not worried, though. And, and in fact, I think maybe taking the first part of the year off will have, or not playing so much, will have a preserving effect by the time, like you said, Gil, by the time Roland Garros rolls around and everybody else is like, you know, dead rublev and and has played every clay court and uh zverev has played all he can and um and novak may may end up in a tortoise in the hare situation so i know someone commented on the youtube comments that i'm always sunshine and rainbows um <laughs> and i see the positive um but i really do and i i think he'll go um to belgrade and and do well and and start to find his rhythm I agree. Uh, and even if he doesn't do well in, in Belgrade, um, I, I get, again, I think, I think it would probably have to be Madrid until I could really be at all worried about Roland Garros for Novak, uh, for, for his sake. Um, so let's see what happens. Belgrade next week, probably a Nadal injury update coming at some point. We don't have it right now. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next time on the next episode of 3.